0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. That right there, I'm looking at him through technology. It is Barrett Salee. You read him on cbsports.com You see him on CBS Sports HQ. You hear him here on the Cover 3 podcast and on SiriusXM. I, of course, am I am merely Chip Patterson.
1: So, Barrett, um, how are <laughs> you doing, Chip my man? Merely Chip Patterson. Yeah, I'm merely <laughs> Chip Patterson. How are we doing, man? I'm good, man. Excited. It, it, feels, it feels weird in mid to late August being excited about an actual game week. I mean, you know, in, in this week in the past, you know, it's kind of like, all right, you know, we get, you know, a, a Cal-Hawaii game in, in Australia or, you know, Colorado State versus whoever. But, I mean, I am pumped. I mean, pumped about... Miami Florida and then I'm even more pumped to be honest with you about watching Arizona go out to the island because I can't wait to watch that Arizona team
0: we we are uh, we're gonna be getting into Khalil Tate with Kevin Sumlin again here in a little bit um, and as well as some of our other thoughts we've we've been we've been Pounding out expert picks. If you if you enjoy <laughs> if you enjoy the takes going into the season, then head on over to CBSports.com because we're going conference by conference. I mean, we've got to do bold predictions. We've got to do overrated, to underrated. So uh, we'll get to that a little bit. But let's start let's start right there with Miami, Florida, because it is no Stanford, Rice. It is no Colorado State, Oregon State. These are two teams that both. Uh, it at somewhere in the, in the mindset of both the fan base and the locker room, you know, they are uh, fancying themselves to be contenders within their own division at a minimum Miami in the ACC coastal and Florida in, in the sec East, you are going to be uh, in Orlando for CBS sports HQ and camping world stadium for this kickoff. So from the, from, from the perspective of the, storylines that are are running for each team. I want to start with Dan Mullen because the – he is a coach who I have always thought because of his, you know, his pedigree and, you know, the rhythms of everything, listening to some of his comments through fall camp, he's definitely been thrown off by the week zero start. Like he's, he came out on August 6th and he was like, man, I can't even believe this is, I mean, this, <laughs> this is what this practice day 11. Can't believe it. Like he's, he's definitely been a little bit shaken by it, but this, like this Florida program in general Do you think that it is a group that we are going to see the best Gators team? Like, are they going to be able to hit the ground running on August 24th and show uh, what might be a a group that can contend in the SEC East?
1: I don't think you're going to see it on on Saturday, no matter what happens, right? Win or lose. Yeah, win or lose, sloppy or pretty. Uh, just take it for what it is, and we've we look we've done this in the past on on these early games, right? I mean, three years ago, Charlie Strong's last season at Texas. By God, Texas was back after throttling Notre Dame. Well, Charlie Strong got fired. Notre Dame went four and eight. So, um, not let's not cast aspersions as to what uh, what the win or the loss means for either team. With that said, for Florida, I think you should take at least something out of it if the offensive line plays well because they've got four new starters up there. And I think when, when you saw Felipe Franks sort of come of age last year, a lot of that was due to the offensive line. And, and you know, they had, they had some stars, Ivy Taylor and, and a lot, and a lot of those guys who had played a ton together, um, really help him, uh, come back after getting benched for what a day and a half between, uh, the Missouri and South Carolina games. Yeah. Um, you know, so if that group can can protect Franks, open up holes for LaMichael P. Ryan, uh against a, a really good uh, Miami front seven, I think that's something that you should take away with Florida and say, all right, look, we don't know if they're contenders yet, but the fact that they at least looked like they solved their problem in game one. Against a good defense is something to be excited about, and and I think here's the thing with Florida, I because of the offensive line um, and and the fact that it is relative, like pretty much all new. I think they'll have moments where they dominate because they're talented. They'll also have moments where you where you look around and go, guys, what the hell are you doing? Right, right. Like I think the ceiling for Florida can still be really high. I think they can um, they can run with the big boys um, at times. But I think when they have bad days, and we saw this last year against Missouri, uh, when they have bad days, it's it, they're going to be bad. And and so I think they're they're going to be volatile. Even if they do play well against Miami, I think you just take it for for what it is, a win over Miami, and if there's something to be excited about about the offensive line, if they give you a reason to be hopeful, then okay, then there's a reason to be cautiously optimistic.
0: Do you put – like, is Felipe Frank's success in your mind uh, almost directly linked to the play of the offensive line? Because there is the – like will Felipe Franks be Felipe Franks worst enemy I think that we have seen enough from the uh, from his own sort of displays of of discipline <laughs> or lack thereof and I think we've also kind of heard from Dan Mullen who's like who seems to admit he's like yeah I mean the, we all know he's got a massive arm it's just a matter of you no know, is he going to be able to go out there in an offense that is based so much on execution and so much on Making the right decisions. I mean, there's really, really good playmakers. Uh, You mentioned Lamichael Piran. The wide receiver room is good. Like there are, uh, there are enough pieces that if. Uh, I was playing with a uh, uh, RIP NCAA football. Like if I was playing (laughs) with the Gators on NCAA football and and I was controlling Florida based on all of Felipe Frank's video game skills, you should be going out there and being able to put up 42 points a game. And yet there is still that last bit of execution. Do you, I mean, where's your confidence in Felipe Frank's and his own maturity at this point? That's
1: a big question, and not to dodge it, I have no idea. Right, no, that is not dodging. That is what we're waiting... Like, we are excited to see it, absolutely. Right? Like, you know, Felipe Franks has only had, what, uh, maybe three or four games? Three games, really. Uh, He Looked good against South Carolina, uh, looked good against Florida State, and looked good against Michigan. Uh, Okay, I mean, that's nice. You know, good for him, but... You know, was that just him sort of catching lightning in a bottle down the stretch? Was it him being, you know, motivated and, you know, you know, taunting his own fans after <laughs> they booed him? And did that drive him, or was it really Felipe Franks, you know, coming of age? Because, like, look, I mean, you know, this too—he he didn't get coached in high school, right? Like, he was raw, and and he was a project. And Jim McElwain knew that. And you know, it could be that maybe he, you know, figured it out, and and is his skill set now matches you know you know what what uh, what Dan Mullen wants him to do within the offense but you know I think yeah it probably does have to a lot to do with the offensive line because if you if you expect him to play like he did against Michigan and like he did against Florida State and South Carolina with a rebuilt offensive line I I don't know if that's gonna happen so I, I mean it's all on Frank's I, I think the kids probably for in terms of skills, you know, equal with Kellen Mond as the third most skilled quarterback in the SEC. Mm. But that doesn't mean he's going to have the third best season. Right. Because he could like, honestly, we've seen it in the past in it between his ears. He's been volatile. He's been all over the place. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when he gets sacked four times Cause his offensive line can't block, you know? Oh yeah. It's like, it's like not, not to draw, you know, make fun of my own baseball team, but it's like Mike Fulton, pitching. Like he just starts getting pouty and you're like, dude, get your, get your stuff together, man. Come on. Chop on. Chop on,
0: chop on. All right. What about on the, on, uh, when we've got, uh, this, this year's Florida defense under Todd Grantham, like Todd Grantham, because he's such a character himself, uh, and because he has with him the, the, the reputation of the aggressive scheme and always trying to, you know, get after it and get after the quarterback, There are some really, really talented pieces along this Florida defensive line. I think that, you know, we've certainly got a couple of superstars in the secondary, though there is maybe a little bit of some depth concerns at a couple places. Like, is is that group defensively a group that you would consider, let's say, top half in the SEC? Not the SEC East, top half in the whole SEC.
1: (laughs) Top half. In the SEC, yeah, uh, maybe towards the bottom of the top half of the SEC. I mean, when you look at that group, right? Um, you got Auburn, you got LSU, uh, you got you know Georgia. You got uh, I think that's that's the, those three you kind of you know write in ink. After that, um, I'm not sure you have anybody you actually trust. Maybe Texas A&M because. You know, they were solid last year against the run, even though they lost some folks. They still have Justin Magic week up front. So, um, yeah, top half of the SEC, sure. Uh, you know, I think it's all – the biggest thing is is finding, you know, it, the the way – finding a way to get consistent pass rush um, like Ja'Kai Polite got last year. I mean, Jabari Zuniga seems like he's been there forever. I know. And, you know, so I think you trust him. You trust, uh, you know, a couple of the guys uh, in the middle like David Reese I, you know I, I think the problem could come like you mentioned the secondary like getting Marco Wilson back is a big deal. you know it, it, that, that sort has flown under the radar uh, this year that you get a guy like Marco Wilson back with CJ Henderson, the problem is if those guys get banged up, then you're gonna need an excellent consistent pass rush to sort of make up for for a thin and inexperienced secondary. I think they can be solid, but with a with a group like that, they don't have a ton of depth. Yeah. And, and the the guys they have backing them up, you know, it's kind of gone like Dan Mullins, you know, recruiting at Mississippi State's gone. You know, some some pretty solid four-star kids, some three-star kids, you know, maybe a star here and there. But you're kind of counting on coaching those guys up. And at Florida, at this year anyway, I don't know if you have that luxury um, considering the depth issues they have. I Look, I i've been I've been down on I was down on Grantham when he got hired by Georgia. And slowly but surely, he started to convince me that he's actually good at coaching college football because I did <laughs> think he was an NFL coordinator. And what he asked Georgia players to do, you know, ten years ago, I mean, you could see it in through their helmets, their heads spinning. It was like, dude, we're not NFL players. right? Like, we, we 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 are student athletes. and yeah, you can try to bend the rules, but we only do get twenty hours with you every single week. 70 ish,
0: 73 active scholarship players on this Florida team.
1: Cause we've had, yeah, we've had
0: uh, a lot of exits from the 2019 class. Obviously, Chris, you know, in the secondary, Chris Steele, that's going to be the one that sort of stands out um, mm-hmm. among, among the others. Like, that's like, how do you, like, cause there's the culture angle, right? Like, isn't, didn't, um, didn't homeboy Mike Bianchi try to colonize it up a little bit? but of
1: course he did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. But because there's, there's the culture angle where the arguments being made. It's like, well, you know, now they're, now they're taking a a new, a new policy about some of these off field issues, you know, like a, a zero tolerance. It just doesn't happen on everyone's schedule. That's like, if you are trying to change some of the reputation that, First, you know, has maybe still been brewing from Urban Meyer when Dan Mullen was there as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> like the, there is the cultural angle to this. There's also just the the sheer numbers that now we are at a position where is that a is that a fault of the coaching staff and the in the recruiting process to be able to identify uh, these p- potential warning signs, or do you think that this is just a, a one off scenario where because end uh, of independent. Uh, independent things A, B, C, D, and E happened. It's left Florida with a big time depth issue.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you always have to wonder. Okay, do you just have a couple of bad people doing bad things? Right. Right. Because in any organization, corporation, you know, whatever, you're going to have some people who just do dumb things, and and there's not much you can do as a as a coach or a CEO or whatever to 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 fix that. Unfortunately, um, I the thing with this chip I, is Dan Mullen capable of fixing this? Because, I mean, you look at what he did at Mississippi State. I mean, the Jeffrey Simmons thing was huge. Like, that was one of the biggest scandals of the offseason, what, three or four years ago. Right. Um, and, and he didn't handle it well. And I remember specifically sitting in a room at SEC Media Days and Kyle Tucker, who now works at The Athletic, just basically grilled Dan Mullen on, um, you know, if he would allow Jeffrey Simmons to date his daughter which i mean was totally a gotcha question right but yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean but dan doesn't handle it well yeah. i mean and we've seen that in press conferences where you know not just at florida but at mississippi state he just kind of he he kind of is he's really overly defensive and i think part of that might stem from the fact that he doesn't know how to handle it mm. and handle off the field issues So I do think it's left over from the McElwain era. I mean, that was as fractured as you could possibly make a program. But, and I do think part of it is, you know, individuals doing individually stupid things. Right. But, um, that doesn't mean that Dan can't, uh, doesn't need to fix it. I mean, he has to fix it. I think the, I, I, the frustration that he has to me anyway, comes off like he doesn't know how to, and I don't think he knows how to. So, that's not to say that he can't fix it I think he you know it's possible and recruiting the right guys is certainly a way to do that but it's other coaches would have fixed it a lot quicker yeah and, and I don't I don't think that um, that Dan has figured that part out yet and it's got to change I mean from a numbers perspective you know it's it's clearly hurt them uh, from a football perspective I mean there's no questioning that um, and then from a program sustainability standpoint like, if you're a parent and and Dan Mullen comes knocking and and you have not just this past off season but maybe a couple more off seasons where similar things happen, maybe not to that extent, but you know, I, I, do you want to send your kids there? I I don't know. I probably wouldn't. Right, because
0: the the incredibly unfair and insensitive jokes when some of these um, allegations and and the off field issues started popping up in. for in the Dan Mullen era was like oh man is Florida going to get back to winning national championships you know because they've they've got the off-field issues it's Urban Meyer time baby let's go (laughs) Um, right yeah but start counting up those arrests doesn't matter what they are start (laughs) counting them doesn't matter what they are but this but I've, I've now, as as we sit here, I've landed on the other side of this, you know, obviously dismissing the, the jokes for their insensitivity uh, and the like, but also with the fact it's like, well, now we've got very real numbers issues and very real numbers issues are going to be just massively, massively important when you're playing a schedule that this year is going to include Auburn in addition to uh, LSU, in addition to Florida State uh, and everyone else that comes on, on the regular Florida schedule when depth is going to be so, so, so important. I just, uh, that that has made me back off from probably, you know, maybe a, a, a will or a yearning to try and think that georgia might get caught yeah yeah yeah. i'm like all right is it time for florida to like close the gap a little bit and as i'm trying to you know go through and tally up the wins and the losses then you know late in the season if it's a toss-up game i'm i'm probably sitting here in you know mid to late august gonna lean more towards the l's than the w's just with the idea that they are like a couple injuries from being in big time trouble
1: yeah, they are. And and even last year, though, I mean, you know, they, they were, you know, a Peach Bowl team, but I think they were in a Peach Bowl. And, and I think a lot of other uh, teams were in this same boat. There were lack of options, right? Like, there were really no good teams last year outside of the top four or five teams in the country. And Florida was, was in that group. Uh, behind them where you know, they had massive problems. I mean... Y- you, you got smoked by Missouri, and that wasn't a good Missouri team. You know, I I've, look, I'm sorry I like Drew Locke and everything, but Missouri was was not that good last year. And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of with you. And, I'm you know, I, we do – you know, we always pick our schedules and we go through everything. And I'm, I kind of feel the same way you do about Florida. Um, you know, Miami getting out of the gate, I think they'll be fine. But that Auburn-LSU stretch is tough. I mean, the cocktail party is the cocktail party. And, you know, I, I would say, to me anyway – Um, there's only one loss that I see written in ink and that's Georgia, but there are about six or seven that are toss ups. Yeah. You know? And, and so you kind of just have to wonder, okay, when you're picking those, those games, all right, which Florida are you going to get? Because, you know, I think you and I are in agreement, like they're going to be up and down. Like they're going to have moments where they just look like world beaters and then they're going to, they're going to get smoked by 25 points. And you just have to sort of pick your battles, and really, like last year, like I, there was no reason to pick them to get smoked by Missouri, but it happened. There was no reason to think, oh, they're going to come out gangbusters against LSU, but it happened. And that's I just—they're unpredictable, and they're they're going to be all over the place. And I think the the depth issue um, is is a big reason why. And I mean, let's be honest—I I think the SEC East is. Better than people realize, it was better than the West last year. The record bears that out, and I think this year you're going to have Tennessee be better. You're going to have uh, South Carolina be really good, even though the record will not show it. They might even be a sub 500 team, but they're going to be the best sub 500 team in college football. Um, you know, so I just think um, yeah, Florida's good. It's going to be tricky. It's going to be uh, there. There are a lot of landmines for the Gators, and it starts with uh, with their own depth chart.
0: That, uh, that final run after the cocktail party where it's like, like they, I think they'll probably beat Vanderbilt, but those last two, it's like, you go Missouri week off Florida state. Man, if I, I, I hope that Dan Mullen has that team uniquely motivated because those, <laughs> right. uh, those, those could be very, very interesting games. Where, where is, what is your sort of schedule? Uh, what's your record as you, as you've sort of counted it out, what are you thinking for the Gators?
1: So you know, every year we we you know made our picks, and I always go through the helmet schedule and just draw a W or L in pencil, and then it spits out a record, and and that's what I go with for predicted order of finish and and playoff and all that other stuff. And and I've got the Gators at nine and three and five and three mm-hmm. uh, in the conference. I've them beaten Miami, uh, beaten Florida State, obviously, um, but then I have them losing that two game stretch to Auburn and to LSU. And then losing to Georgia as well. Um, and the reason is the offensive line. I mean, you're going to have ups and downs, but um, I know it's in the swamp, but you're going to ask an offensive line full of you know new starters um, in the middle of the season after playing four straight games, even though the game before is Towson, but you're going to ask those guys to block Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson, and Nick Coe and that crew. Uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> and then and then the very next week go to Baton Rouge.
0: Yeah. Good luck with that.
1: Yeah. That's, what, do you, what do you have them at?
0: I I've got them as an eight and four team with uh, a potential like it's uh, either like a like eight and four team with an eight and four record with a nine and three team or like a seven and five team with a, a, a seven and five record with an eight and four team. Just you, that sounds about right. Yeah. You just you draw. You, you draw the the uh, worst potential sort of SEC West without straight up getting Bama, and then like you mentioned, I'm, I'm looking at Tennessee, I'm looking at Missouri, and I think that both of those games, in addition to maybe even FSU, depending on sort of what the stakes are at that point in the season, sort of whatever yeah. the motivations are, I... I just think that there's a one potential place where they get tripped up along the way. If everything falls apart, if everybody's hurt and this team is being just held together by duct tape, I think the floor is seven and five. But I also think that nine and three, like you mentioned, I think that's my ceiling.
1: Yeah, um, you know I think that's that's fair because you know there are a lot of losable games. They could lose to Tennessee. They could lose at Kentucky now. I think it's weird to say that after you know three decades, but they could lose to Kentucky uh, early in the season. I mean, yeah, you know that stretch. I mean the tricky stretch. You know Auburn at LSU and then at South Carolina. I think that South Carolina game is a little bit trickier than people realize because of the two games preceding it but also the fact that that's the first defensive group the the first front 7 that really is Will Muschamp's front 7 mm. you know like it, it's 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 a really solid group Muschamp picked them out hand picked He's four years in now and getting the gamecocks in columbia after that two game stretch is is probably the worst time to get them there
0: do you all right I, I i apologize i didn't include this but since you brought it up i've i've got zero feel for south carolina this year where are you I, at with the man, Gamecocks?
1: I, I do, too. I See, I said they're the best 5-7 and seven, seven team in college football. I really think they're going to be a 5-7 and seven team. But I mean, I, I, but I think they're going to It's not their be, fault.
0: It's not it, is <laughs> it their fault, right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, I mean, you have Alabama out of the West. You have Texas A&M out of the West every year. Those are the two best teams in the SEC West. like <laughs> Bar none. I think they're the two best teams in the SEC West, and I don't even think it's close. And you have Clemson plus i mean not to say north carolina is good but it's it's still a rivalry game right out of the gate of this, in, in the start at the start of the season i mean i just I, you got to go to missouri after playing alabama and teams that play alabama typically are dreadful the next week even though i don't think a ton of missouri that's still you know not not that uh, exciting but then you have at georgia florida at tennessee like like how how difficult like that is you couldn't draw up a more difficult schedule I'm giving South Carolina the
0: W in the opener for all of the Will Muschamp coaching waiting versus Mac Brown reasons.
1: <laughs> oh, nice!
0: Yeah, yeah, we're, I like we're, it. We're taking we're taking this back to reasons why he left Austin after breaking boards and everything else. I'm I think <laughs> it's a uniquely motivated Will Muschamp going up against Mac Brown uh, in that moment. But I love it. Uh, all right, so the Hurricanes with the uh, you know. Manny Diaz. Let's let's start with uh, Jaron Williams being named starting quarterback. Uh, he beats out Tate Martell and Nikosi Perry. Your what was your read on that decision? And do you think the quarterback battle is over?
1: Uh, I do think the quarterback battle is over. Um, my read on it was uh, a little surprised that they didn't start Tate Martell just because of you know everything that sort of went into the offseason. Um, but I wasn't surprised that Jaron Williams was the guy that they have the most trust with trust in. Um, Nicosi Perry doesn't do what they want to do. Mm. Like he just doesn't. Um, Oh, you mean not, Mar- you
0: mean take care of the ball, not turn the oh, ball yes. over. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. He, he loves to do what the defense wants to do.
1: Exactly. Um, and, and Martel, I, you know, I, I don't know how good he is. No one knows, knows how good he is, but, I mean, I remember people talking about Jaron Williams in high school, and it's not like he's just some random dude they picked up off South Beach. I mean, he, he was a highly recruited kid out of Metro Atlanta. He, you know, I think fits what they want to do better than, than the other two guys. Um, so I, I kind of went into the summer thinking they're going to start Tate Martell, but Jaron Williams probably is going to get a ton of snaps. And by the end of the season – probably would be the starter so um you know this idea and I saw the, the line dropped like a point and a half when they when, or uh it got it, it, it rose by a point and a half when Jaron Williams was named starter and I was like okay that's just because name value yes because I think they're better because with with Jared Williams and so it has come back down I think it's at seven seven and a half now so I I think they'll be okay I think you know sort of like Florida the offensive line is sort of a question, but. I mean, they've got dudes. They've got weapons. K.J. Osborne was good at Buffalo as a receiver. Jeff Thomas has been solid. Um, You know, DJ Dallas has been there for a decade at wide receiver and running back, and now he's a full-time running back. And they just – they've got guys. And and it's not like the – what they're going to ask Jaron Williams to do is going to be too much. I mean, I think the defense should keep them in a ton of games. And so, uh, like you said (laughs) – uh, Nikosi Perry didn't take care of the ball. If Jaron Williams can do that, I think they'll be they'll be okay. And man, you look at that schedule. If they get by Florida, who's beating them? Do you? Uh,
0: I don't have it pulled up right now. I've got Miami as my Coastal Division champion.
1: I do too. Yeah, T- ten and two losing this weekend, but ten and two. Miss Miss me?
0: Like, I was driving the Bronco bully ball. Virginia is like, uh, let's let's praise Bronco Mendenhall because. This is the work that he did to make them being from like a lowly bottom dweller in the ACC to be in two overtime losses away from playing for the ACC championship. That is good. That is commendable. You did it with a full BYU staff and y'all went from Provo to Utah. You moved all your farm animals to Charlottesville, Virginia, (laughs) and you still (laughs) figured it out. That's awesome. Congratulations, Bronco. But like, whoa, now, I I am I was not I'm not no longer on board with the idea that like they are far and away the best team in the coastal division for some of the reason that you just mentioned and like you let let me throw uh, Brevin Jordan tight end onto that and then like Mm -hmm. the entire defense from uh, Shaq Quarterman. Uh, McLeod, like Zach Pinckney, like there's, there is uh, elite talent on the defensive side of the ball. There are Jonathan Garvin was a a first team all ACC, right? Yes. Like I, I, and also props to you for getting that Jaron Williams, uh, Metro Atlanta knowledge out here, because about the only people that I've been talking to are you and Barton. And because Barton knows it from the recruiting, uh, side of things where 24 seven was actually much higher on Jaron Williams than scout or rivals. Mm -hmm. So in the, in the 24 seven sports composite, he had one ranking, but in the 24 seven sports ranking, he was actually, I think maybe higher than Tate Martell. So the idea that he would beat Tate Martell out for a job shouldn't be that stunning It's just the fact that, like you mentioned, a lot of this general public and a lot of the Joes that probably ran to the window the second that uh, Tate Martell was not announced the starter, be like, oh, who's Jaron Williams? That must mean that that Miami's offense is going to stink. That's completely ignoring the fact that he is just as highly rated of a prospect coming out of high school.
1: Yeah, and it's also, I mean, it's, it's the Netflix uh, effect, right? Like, oh, I saw Tate Martell on this show with Jake Fromm, and so J- Tate Martell must be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how any of that works, Joe Schmo off the street. Is is that the QB1? Yes. Yeah, so I, I started watching, we started watching QB1 again the first season. Um, like last night, actually, just because I had forgotten, like, I had forgotten about you know what what went on with Jake Fromm and and Tate Martell's you know overbearing parents and I just wanted to see it again I, I remember watching it the the you know when it came out and you know it was interesting but after all that's that's happened with you know Jake Fromm leading Georgia to do a national championship game as a freshman and Tate Martell you know being all over the place mentally I wanted to sort of get back and say okay were there any, was, was, was there any reason to think that this is going to happen on the TV show because there might have been
0: there is at least there has been some signs at least on the Martel side if I remember correctly.
1: Yeah, his dad's a little uh his dad's a little aggressive. But hey, I <laughs> in mean in terms of his football career.
0: Like, I mean, I don't, I don't have a chalkboard here for the listeners, but if they get in uh like a goal line package and it's Tate Martell in the shotgun and Speedy Jeff Thomas you know, coming across with an option to do like a little jet sweep, fly sweep, or Tate Martell run, like that is terrifying for a group of linebackers to try and figure out where you need to be.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, that's, there, there's, it's a, it's a big, it's a really solid group that, I mean, look, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, again, you're not asking them to do an awful lot. And, and I think that's the key for, for them is to make sure that, um, the ask is is pretty low, and then the reward might be pretty high.
0: Um, what do you have a, a, f- a final score, or at least a, like a, a general feel for what we're going to be looking at in that
1: game? I'm I picked uh, for Sportsline subscribers. It's up on Sportsline. Oh, do pick. you have a Andy promo over-under. code? Give them that promo uh, code. I do actually. Yeah. It's <laughs> Sallee. S a l l e e. And yours is Patterson, and that's easy to spell. Do, um, do
0: I have a promo code? I think you do. Oh,
1: nice. I do, I think I, all of us have promo codes.
0: Am I picking or is it just a promo code? Oh, this is a red? I think it's just a
1: promo. No, it's a promo code. To, what do we get? We get like Amazon gift cards or something? I don't know what you're talking about. We do all this out of the goodness of our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right because we're nice people. Because
0: we're nice people, supposedly. And we Alleged- love the listeners and the viewers and readers. Yeah, let me sprinkle all the allegedly's <laughs> out here that we need. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what's um, yeah? So promo code Salie. Sign up for Sportsline uh, Sportsline sportsline.com, First month for a dollar, and the, then all of the picks that you need. Barrett will be a picking expert on there,
1: right? I wasn't last year. I was you. you see, if you were a subscriber last year, the, the the strategy was to fade the hell out of me. But two years ago, I was money. So those things tend to average out no I think yeah uh, I think it's gonna be super sloppy man I, I think Miami's gonna keep it within a touchdown um, I think it's seven seven and a half now I'm thinking like 21 17 mm. 24 20 um you know I, I just think it's you're gonna have a big play here or there but you're not gonna see like massive sustained 810 play drives i think I think you're gonna see um, pretty ugly football with a big play mixed in here and there, and that's it. I th- and I, I just hope that the, the college football world doesn't sour on, on both of those teams when they watch it, because that's kind of what, I mean, I don't know, that's, that's the kind of game I think it should be uh, based on who they are. And, you know, the casual fan tuning in that, you know, doesn't really know an awful lot about either team, might be expecting like the spurrier Florida team versus the old you and that's that's the exact opposite of what I expect
0: the uh, the play might and yes I I think that I've been throwing out 2313 as my general score I'm I am pretty much in lockstep with you there the uh, I just imagine that for all the reasons that we have talked about so far here today about how grueling Florida schedule is and their depth issues and all the pitfalls I just imagine like Dan Mullen gets an early lead and then he's like, cool, and just sits on it the rest of the way. Yeah. Like let's just, let's run the Michael P. Ryan. Like let's, let's try to make sure that we put Miami in a position where every single drive, if they're going to score a touchdown, they've got to go 85 yards. And yeah. I don't think Miami's offense is ready to put up a bunch of 85 yard drives against Florida's defense at this point in the season.
1: Exactly. and And honestly, that's the right thing to do. You know, if you if you're Dan Mullen and you see, even though I think both of us and I know Barton does too, likes Jaron Williams a lot. You know, we we all, you know, I, I seem to think that 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 he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the ACC by season's end. He's not right now. And if right. you're Florida and you and you start to shut him down early, yeah, just sit on the football, be done with it, get out of there. I mean, you have time after that, you know, to figure things out. So. Uh, yeah, it's. I think if if it goes over the 47 and a half, I'd be I'd be shocked.
0: Agreed. Coming up on the other side, getting into Khalil Tate, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona, Hawaii, and um, what have we felt the most backlash about from our overrated, <laughs> underrated <laughs> from our expert picks next. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So this uh,
0: this is really exciting if you are an Arizona football fan. And it is exciting because... Not only was it a year one with Kevin Sumlin, who was hired, by the way, 50 days after Chip Kelly. Same hiring cycle, but because Rich Rodriguez dismissed uh, amidst scandal a little bit later in the hiring cycle, Kevin Sumlin is introduced 50 days behind Chip Kelly. He's got a, a quick rush for signing day. He's got a quick rush to put in his his spring his spring practice plan and so not only did he have the schedule based limitations but also Khalil Tate who was a superstar for about a month and a half back in the 2017 season uh, he's also playing most of 2018 with the bum ankle i've been i've been hearing the murmurs i've been feeling the reverberations in North Carolina all the way from Tucson there seems to be a growing belief around that program that Khalil Tate, fully healthy, with another year, could be uh, about to have a big-time season?
1: I think he will. I mean, I really do. And, and here's the thing. Uh, Khalil Tate, you know, he came in last year as the Heisman darling, right? The guy who, uh, you know, broke the FBS single-game rushing record for quarterbacks. And, and you know, everybody just thought he was going to be this – just unheralded superstar, this just monster. And it didn't happen. And it didn't happen not just because of the ankle injury, but he had a toe, he had a shoulder injury. He was all banged up. And, um, and I talked to Kevin Sumlin about this and, and you know, he, he flat out said, you know, early in the, uh, late in the BYU game and early in the Houston game, the first two games of the season, they lost both of those. You know, he was almost rendered to, to 60%. I mean, he just was, he wasn't there. And because of those losses and because he wasn't running for a mile and a half every game, like everybody sort of forgot about him, right? Like it, it was just like, okay, here's Khalil Tate, but, you know, he's a, he's a flop. He doesn't do anything. You know, he wants to develop as a passer. Mm-hmm. And he threw for over 2,500 yards and 26 touchdowns last year with a bad ankle and a shoulder and a toe like that's not bad it's not bad at all so um yeah someone said and, and this is I, I don't necessarily think that this is an exaggeration he says he's the fastest human being he's ever seen <laughs> <laughs> like flat out said that so respect <laughs> yeah right i mean i i i think so, Kevin, someone's
0: your man i i expect him to give it to you straight that's that's your guy right guy, there man. yeah he is you your guy they,
1: the key to someone, if you're ever talking to him, ask him about fishing in the Gulf. Okay. Y- you ask him about fishing in the Gulf, he'll talk to you for an hour and a half.
0: And, and also, Maybe. and also, he'll he'll give you that real like uh, Khalil Tate's one of the fastest human beings he's ever seen.
1: Right. <laughs> he he's also uh he's also an aer- aerospace engineer. He's going to build you a rocket, and then he's going to outrun the rocket to the moon. Wait. That's how fast he is.
0: Khalil Tate's an aerospace engineer. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought I was. Catch. I was. I was about to get the Josh Dobbs. Is he Josh uh, Dobbs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> no, I. I can't wait to watch Arizona. Like I'm. I'm so fascinated because, um, they're, uh, if Tate's healthy, he, he proved he can pass last year. Nobody saw it. Uh, obviously, we know he can run, and they've got speed. I mean, they've got a, a ton of JJ Taylor is one of the faster players in the, in the country too and it just so happens that he's on this in the same backfield as Khalil Tate. So I mean I if, if Tate stays healthy man, I, I think that Arizona can be that team in the south where you know, you don't necessarily look at him like, you know, a, a national championship contender, but you know, we turn the, the the book to a calendar to November, we're looking around going, okay, maybe Arizona's a lot more than we thought they were. All right, what, I think they're going to get a couple teams.
0: All right, what's I I agree with you. Arizona is one of many teams that I think is uh not to be overlooked in 2019 in the Pac-12. And, and I think mm-hmm. that that sort of middle tier is loaded. Like there's not I I am, even though I love LaVisca Chenault, and I believe that Mel Tucker will have a Colorado team that will hit, 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 as he said, and be really, really aggressive uh, defensively. I've, I do, I will put them in the bottom tier. I will continue to keep Oregon State there. But after that, man, I don't, I don't know if there's a single gimme. So what is the ceiling for Arizona? How many of those toss-up games against the other middle teams do you think uh, the Wildcats will end up winning?
1: I think they're going to win a ton. I mean, I actually, I think they're going to upset Washington, which I didn't – I mean, look, Washington's got – Then here's why. Listen to Washington's three games before they play at Arizona, okay? At BYU, home versus USC at Stanford. That's not easy. No. that BYU, It's really not.
0: That BYU game is terrifying. I love right. the start to BYU's schedule. Because oh, so good. I mean, if you're Kalani Sataki, what better to have uh, in terms of motivation during fall camp than those first six games?
1: Oh man, it, there's there's nothing better. I mean, it's it's fantastic, and I mean, I can't wait to watch BYU USC. Like that's going to be so much fun because I mean, think about all the pressure on Clay Helton oh. after after what happens with Fresno State, win or lose. Like that's going to be that's going to be awesome. So, um, oh yeah, I mean, did like, you mention
0: my beloved Trojans? My beloved Trojans.
1: Do they do they play BYU? Uh no 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 you're just Oh saying, no, oh no so USC. I thought you were talking about Troy. I'm like, uh oh yeah, okay, yeah, USC. Yeah, like what about your USC love, man? Yeah, it's
0: eight. It was, it was that it was a take that I dug myself in right there with you. <laughs> we we were side by side in Fort Lauderdale when I put my flag in the ground. I spoke it and now I'm what is it, almost <laughs> a month later? I'm just still talking it. It's like that. It's like that in Oklahoma National Champions. It's like that's the other one where it's like, right, well, I said it, so I guess I got to got to keep... go with it now. <laughs> got to go with it now. Do you, do you think that Arizona... Uh, they're playing Hawaii in that first game. Spreads 11, 11 and a half. Over-unders like around 70, 71. What, what kind of performance are you expecting out the gate? Do you think it will be similarly sloppy?
1: I don't think it'll be sloppy. I, I think Arizona's going to come out firing. I mean, I, I think... Um, that offense will force Cole McDonald to, to kind of go score for score. And I just think that I love Cole. I mean, we, he was, we all loved him, especially last September. I, can he go score for score with Khalil Tate? My, my gut is no. And so I think it's going to be one of those games. Do you remember it was Ohio State-Indiana to open the 2017 season? On a Thursday night? On a Thursday night? Yep. Was that Ohio State-Indiana? And Indiana was hanging with them for a while, right? Like, mm-hmm. they were they were sort of in it for a little while. Third quarter comes around. You're like, all right, um, this is interesting-ish. And then Ohio State wins by 30 or something, you know? Um, I, it might be something like that where where Hawaii, you know, hangs around for a little while and you're excited about the Rainbow Warriors and, and Cole McDonald's doing great and, and he's one of the future stars of the sport and then things get... Incredibly sideways, and we're done. Like I think that's going to be kind of how it goes. I just, I mean, is there anybody on Hawaii's defense? I honestly, I'll, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest Hawaii Rainbow Warriors expert in the world, <laughs> <laughs> really not. But uh, is there anybody in that defense that's faster than JJ Taylor and Khalil Tate?
0: I I would not bet so. I, w- I would <laughs> right. absolutely uh, not be wagering on that at all. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, by the way. It be for this wrinkle. It was exactly as you remembered because Ohio State ended up winning that game, 49 to 21. It was on a Thursday night, uh, first week of the season, and I do remember it being close. Everyone's a little bit like, "Uh oh, uh oh, what does this mean?" And a lot of it was because Ohio State was in a big time look ahead spot for the next week when they were going to be hosting Oklahoma. When Baker Mayfield nice. won that game and planted the flag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's right. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be something like that. I just, you know, I think Kevin Sumlin, you know, he's my boy and all, and I'm not saying this because he's my boy, but he's smart enough to know, hey, you know what, if, if things start to get sideways against Hawaii, just hand it to Khalil Tate and J.J. Taylor and be done with it. 100%. Like it, it's not like this is a uh, a super complicated sport sometimes. No. It's like Occam's Razor. Sometimes the simplest solution is the right
0: one. <laughs> um, all right. So as we've been rolling out all these overrateds and underrateds, has there been any one take that you feel like you've started to receive a uh, unique blowback from?
1: Um, Miami folks were not happy that I picked them to lose to Virginia, but I picked them to win the Coastal. So I don't know if they just were looking for things to yell at and be mad at online, which mm. might be the case. True. True. Um, I mean, UCF Twitter is UCF Twitter. I mean, I picked USF to win that division um, and said that UCF was overrated. And I mean, that's kind of one of those things where you pick it and you're like, yeah, okay, this is I know it's coming. Not a big deal. Um, And quite honestly, UCF Twitter thinks it's a lot angrier and more impactful than it actually (laughs) is. Um, So those two, I guess, were the biggest so far. I did write that LSU was overrated um, because I I tend to think LSU is overrated every year because they are overrated every single year um, to the point where even though they went to the Fiesta Bowl last year, they felt the need to sell this brand new offense all offseason. And the reason was because the other one didn't work so well. So... (laughs) uh lsu like but that, again i'm sort of preconditioned for that like i i just i'm i know that lsu folks are gonna come at me hot and and uh i'm ready for that smoke Let's, that happens all the, all the time
0: you're like uh you're, you're like drawing your sword as all of the <laughs> right? ninja army is charging your way
1: it, i it, you know adam our boss hits published and i'm like all right let's go let's it.
0: go uh that's I picked Cincinnati to win the uh, AAC East I'm I am also of the belief that UCF is good UCF is fine but Brandon Wimbush is their quarterback more than likely and that has had me it's sell not some very stock good. yeah yeah I, yeah he's not very good is the, he hasn't been great uh but you have been great barrett and i really appreciate it you can follow Barrett on twitter at barrett Salee. you can follow me at chip underscore patterson he will be in orlando for miami florida watch on cbs sports hq for updates from the stadium throughout before during after the game just just basically the entire time look for barrett he's great uh thank you I'll so much there.
1: my pleasure dude anytime